We're, we're studying in John 17, so let's turn to uh, John 17. It's Jesus, what I call his missionary prayer, because um, uh, Jesus, in the first part, verse 1 to 5, he prays for himself, and he has a prayer request for himself, and he asks the Father to glorify him so that he can glorify the Father. And, and it's a missionary prayer because Jesus was a missionary, because he was sent from the Father into the world with a mission. And he was uh, praying that prayer just before the cross. And uh, so it was, it was his last uh, step of obedience to the Father before going back to the Father. And the only way he could go back to the Father, in fact, was through the cross. And so he was praying that the Father would glorify him. And he was, he was looking forward to when, when the Father would raise him from the dead and exalt him and, and, and when he would go back to the Father and be seated, uh, seated at his right hand. And so Jesus was asking him to do that, to, to glorify him, so that looking in the future, he would have the strength to, to, uh, to go through the fire, to, to die on the cross for our sins. And uh, so it's a missionary prayer because Jesus was praying for himself and the Father had sent him. And then from verse 6 on to verse 19, and, and, and in fact, until verse 26, Jesus prays for his disciples. And it's also a missionary prayer because, he, as he says in verse 18, just as the, uh, the Father sent him into the world, so he had sent them, his disciples, into the world. Jesus had sent his disciples into the world. And uh, so he prays, pr- prays for them, for their mission. And... Um, and then there's just a, a parenthesis where Jesus, from verse 20 to verse 23, prays for us. Even though he prayed that prayer 2,000 uh, 2, years ago, he, he had you and me, uh, you and I in mind. He was praying, he was praying for us. And uh, because we are also sent. If we have believed uh, in Jesus through the word of his disciples that they received from him, that he had received from the Father, and that through the centuries... Uh, it's, it's like a, a relay, a history relay, where the baton is, is, is the, God's word. That Jesus, God from the Father, passed to his disciples, and his disciples passed to the people who were listening to them, who believed and became Jesus' disciples, and continued passing it on until now we're in the year 2000. It's thanks, we've, we've, we've taken that baton, which is, which is God's word. And so we're in this relay race, and that's what life is all about, is to bring his word to other people so that they can be saved. And so uh, we're, we are missionaries too. But we'll get into this now. But uh, this, this morning I want to, uh, we've, we've been studying uh, Jesus' missionary prayer here in John 17, uh, Friday night, uh, Saturday at lunch. And now I saved uh, one of his prayer requests for his disciples, which is also for us. Um, for this morning, because it, it's so important. And it's in verse 17, I just want to read that. Um, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And um, this is, Jesus was, was his third prayer request for his disciples. And then if we have time in the end, we're going to see his fourth prayer request for them in, from verse, in verse 24. But um, before we, I want to read the whole uh, prayer and, uh, but before we do that, I would like to pray again. Uh, dear Father, I pray that the prayer Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago with his disciples before the cross, I pray that it may comfort those who are suffering and challenge those who are not committed 
I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Let's read John 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Just as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he might give them everything that you have given to him, namely eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you love, love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, Even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Going back to verse 17, uh, the prayer request that I want to underline with you, especially this morning, uh, when Jesus says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. What, what does Jesus mean by that when he asked the Father to sanctify them? We know that the word to sanctify or to make holy means to set apart for God's service. So that is what Jesus is asking here, that the Father would set them apart for his service. But what, what is he referring to exactly here when he's 
asking the Father to set them apart for his service. Is, he, is, is Jesus praying for their salvation? Uh, it, it, because sanctification, sanctification starts with our salvation. Because at the moment that we believed in Jesus, uh, God has set us apart for his service. Uh, the foremost reason why God has saved us was, to, was because of his love for us. He wanted to save us from eternal damnation because he loved us. He wants us to be with him. That's, that's why he saved us. But he did not just save us because of his love for us, but he saved us so that we could serve him. So uh, at the moment that we have understood that, we have accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, and we, uh, we are part of him. We, 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 have, uh, uh, we have to understand that it's not just to be saved from uh, damnation, but he has saved us to serve him. And if we are not serving him with all our life, then we are, we are missing the mark as Christians as saved people, we're not actually doing what we should be doing. So sanctification can refer to salvation, but I, uh, in, if we look back in verse 16, what does Jesus say here in verse 16? They are not talking about his disciples. He says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So we understand from here that Jesus can't be, when he's asking for their sanctification, he's not referring to their salvation because they were already saved, because they were no longer of the world. They belonged to the Father's world. If we look back in, um, let's go to, uh, not look back, but forward to um, uh, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses uh, 4 to 6. And Paul says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So uh, it may seem strange uh, to us, but um, spiritually speaking, but nevertheless, it is a truth. It is a reality. Uh, when Jesus' disciples believed in him because of his example, because of the word that he had shared with them, that he had received from the Father, because they accepted that word, on, on the basis of that word that they accepted, they believed in Jesus and accepted him. At that moment, a miracle happened. They, be, uh, they were no longer of the world but they became a possession of God the Father. And they were seated in, in, in the heavenly places. They, they were no longer of this world. And um, so, but, but the fact that they were no longer of the world, but in fact, where were the disciples? They were with Jesus. As he was praying that prayer, Jesus was on the earth. And the disciples were there physically with him. <laughs> so what does that mean? That means that uh, in a spiritual sense, the moment they believed in Jesus, they were saved and they were put in the heavenly places. They belonged to God. But what did God the Father do? He gave to Jesus 
Those that belong to him. That's how Jesus calls his disciples in, in, in John 17. Those whom you have given to me because they, they were yours. And so what happened at the moment of their salvation, they actually went up to be with God and then God, uh, Jesus sent them into the world. And, and we, we can see that here in, uh, in verse 18. He says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And so uh, sanctification can also refer to, to the fact that Jesus had sent his disciples into the world on a mission, being set apart for a service to God. And, and we can identify with that because the passage I read in Ephesians chapter 2 is, is not just for the disciples that were with Jesus, but it's also for those who have believed in Jesus because of their word, and that's us. So uh, the same thing happened to you. When you believed in Jesus, at that moment, spiritually, but it is a reality, you went to heaven because you died. Uh, God has identified you with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, and his going back to the Father. So that is our position. The moment we accepted Jesus, our position is in him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, just as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 6. But yet, I see you here. Uh, I, want, I want to ask you a question. Uh, how many of you are saved? Raise your hand, please. Keep it up a little bit so I can look all around. Uh, almost everyone. <laughs> okay. You're saved. What, what does that mean? That means that <laughs> you are in Jesus. But yet I see you here. How many of you are here? Raise your hand. Okay, you're with me. Okay, good, good. What does that mean, brothers and sisters? If you are saved and you are here, it means that you are sent. Uh, do not, please do not think that Jonathan is a missionary and the 20 or 30 missionary families that are here for the conference are missionaries sent out. Uh, it is true in a technical way. We, we are missionaries because we have been sent from our local churches where we're members to uh, another city or state or country to, to bring the gospel, the word of Jesus that we received and believed in to others so that they can receive that word and believe in Jesus and be saved and become his disciples and pass on the baton till Jesus comes back. But uh, that is not just the work of the missionaries. It's not just the work of the pastors or those who are working, quote-unquote, full-time. According to Jesus' logic, reasoning, if you are saved and you are here in the world, it means you are sent. Otherwise, you would be there. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when you accepted Jesus, you went there spiritually. But he sent you back spiritually and so if you're here it means that you, you have been sent by Jesus just as his disciples were but is Jesus referring to that when he says in verse 17 sanctify them in the truth your word is truth no it can't be referring to that because he had already sent them because as we say, saw in verse 18 he said in his prayer as you sent me in the past into the world so I have sent them into the world when, when were Jesus' disciples sent? They were sent at the moment they were saved. 
Because at the moment they were saved, they became the fathers. And the father gave them back to Jesus. And Jesus, because he had this authority, this, this responsibility, that it, because they were entrusted in him, he sent them into the world. So spiritually speaking, the disciples, we're, with, we're in the Father, we're in heaven. But physically and mentally and spiritually, in another sense, they were, they were there around Jesus. So that means that they were sent. That already happened. They had already been sent by Jesus. So uh, just like we are sent. So here in verse 17, when he's asking uh, the Father to sanctify them, uh, to set them apart, for his service. He's not talking about salvation, as we saw in verse 16. He's not talking about them being sent. So what is he talking about? I think that we can understand what was in Jesus' heart, in his mind, when he asked the Father to sanctify them in the truth by looking at verse 19. And he says in verse 19, And for their sake I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. And what does Jesus mean here when he says to the Father, and for their sake I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus is talking about something that he's doing in the present, at, at, at that moment, while he was praying that prayer. Isn't it, isn't it strange though? Jesus, how, how could Jesus sanctify himself? Was he not already sanctified? He was God. And he was sanctified in, in being sent by the Father into the world with a mission. And his mission, first of all, was to, to show God to, to men. Because he, he, came, he was God incarnate. He was God who became a man. And so that man could look at Jesus and see a, a, a perfect man and, and, and by looking at Jesus, see God and understand God. Because the way we are, we can't see and understand and, and grasp and cope with God. He's too big. So he became one of us, but without sin, so that looking at him, watching his actions, seeing his attitude, and, and, and listening to his words, we would have a, a picture of God. And so he came to do that. And in fact, in verse 4, he says that uh, he had accomplished that mission. He had done what the Father had given him to do. And on the basis of his obedience to the Father and accomplishing his mission in manifesting the Father uh, to his disciples, uh, he was asking the Father to glorify him. But... Jesus was not, did not only come, he was not only sent to show us the Father so that we could, we, man could see and understand God and, and hear his word that Jesus had received from the Father and, and receiving it, believe on Jesus and be saved. But how could, how, could, how could we be saved? Jesus had still one more act of obedience before he could go back to the Father uh, the only way that Jesus could, could go back to the Father was through the cross. And so when Jesus here is, is saying in verse 19, and for their sake I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the cross. 
He's talking about his sacrifice on the cross. He's talking about denying himself and taking up his cross and dying on the cross for our sins. Because Jesus had not done that yet. And so Jesus was sanctifying himself before the Father in, in accepting the Father's will and being obedient even to the end, even to the death of the cross. So uh, uh, that was what was in Jesus' heart. That was what in his mind was the last step of obedience in dying on the cross for our sins. And that was, and believe me, for Jesus to take up the cross literally meant to take up the cross because uh, Jesus' physical suffering, I don't want to diminish that, it was, it was incredible. His, his moral and psychological suffering was probably even, even, even worse. But the, the, the real suffering of Jesus was that when he was going to die on the cross, while he was hanging on the cross, he would take on himself the sin of all of humanity, from Adam, the first man, to the, the last man or woman who will be born. He took upon himself 2,000 years ago, and he was going to do that shortly after this prayer. He was going to sanctify himself by being obedient to the Father even to the end, even to the death of the cross. Because in taking he who knew no sin, taking our sin upon him, he, he was, it was like he was becoming sin before the Father. He was, Jesus was representing all. He, he came, first of all, to represent the Father to humanity. But he had accomplished that work. And now he had one more work to do, and that was to represent humanity before the Father. And therefore identify with our sin. We, we say this because Scripture says it, but we, we can't understand it. I don't think we'll ever understand it really fully, not even when we're in heaven. We'll, we'll understand it more there when we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. But we, we'll never be able to understand what Jesus went through when he died on the cross for our sins. He was God, was, was reprimand, representing man's sin, man, sinner, all humanity from the beginning to the end on himself as if he, he was standing as sin before the Father. And the Father, because of that, had to forsake him and so we understand a little bit why Jesus cried out in anguish, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew why, but just we, we can't understand his suffering. And that was, that was his cross that he took up. And so now, going back to verse 17, what does that mean, brothers and sisters? When he was asking for his disciples, sanctify them, in the truth, your word is truth. He was asking the Father to work in their lives to make them deny uh, themselves and take up their cross daily and follow him. And the passage that I'm citing uh, is, is from Luke chapter 9, verse 23. You can read that. Um, Jesus said to, to his disciples and the people who were around the disciples, says, uh, speaking to all of them, he says, if you, if you want to come after me, in other words, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to come after me, after Jesus Christ, then you 
uh, must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And so I believe that Jesus, when he was asking the Father to sanctify them, he was asking the Father to work in, his, in the disciples' lives so that they would deny their, themselves and take up their cross and follow Jesus. And one, one just strong example is Peter. You remember Peter? Uh, before, um, before Jesus' prayer here, uh, at the Last Supper, uh, during, during Jesus' ministry there, chapters 13 to 16 in John, uh, at, at a certain point, uh, when Jesus talks about the fact that he's um, going to have to leave them, he's going to have to go away. And they're not understanding yet that the, way, the only way for Jesus to go back to the Father was through the cross, because that's why he came. Uh, Peter says to him, I'm going to follow you. I, I'm, and Jesus says, you, you cannot follow me now. And, 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 and Peter says, but I'm, I'm ready to give my life for you. So uh, at that point, Peter really was ready to take up his cross, to deny himself and follow Jesus. He says, I'm really willing to die for you because that's what the cross meant. Anyone at that time who, who took their cross and carried it because they were carrying it to their execution, so it meant, given their, their, their lives were going to be taken. It meant, meant death. T- total denial to self. And Peter was ready to do that. And I believe he was sincere at the time when he said that to Jesus. But Jesus told him, you, not now. You can't follow me now. But you're going to follow me later. Because just as for Jesus, the only way for him back to the Father was through the cross. That's the only way we can. It's <laughs> through the cross. Not that we, not taking our cross through his cross. I want to make that clear now. It's not by taking our cross that we're saved, but it's, it's by accepting Jesus who died on a cross for our sins. So it's not our works. I'm not preaching works. We're saved by faith, uh, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ who took up his cross for us. So it's through that cross that we're saved. But Jesus tells Peter, you will follow me. And you will be taking your own cross. And so you, you remember uh, Peter failed. He denied Jesus three times. But then in John uh, chapter uh, 21, Jesus has a, a, another um, meeting, a special personal meeting with Peter, uh, where he asks him three times if Peter loves him. And Peter uh, says he does. And uh, and. Uh, and in the end, he's, he's frustrated because it's as if he, he, he's not sure that Jesus is convinced that he loves him. And he understands that because he had said he loved him before. In fact, he had said before that he was willing to give his life for Jesus, to take up his cross also for Jesus' sake. And he failed because he denied Jesus to save his own skin. So Peter is, <laughs> after that experience now, he really does love Jesus. He really is. He was sincere before, but he wasn't understanding what Jesus was doing. He thought Jesus was going to set up his kingdom. He thought Jesus was going to fight. And he was ready to fight and give his life for Jesus. And he proved that because <laughs> he took out the sword and, and, and he struck the ear because he was, he was a fisherman. He wasn't a, a warrior. And so he missed the guy's head. But he was, he was really, he was willing to give his life for Jesus. So he was sincere, brothers and sisters. 
But he wasn't understanding. That's why his faith faltered. Because he thought Jesus wasn't going to give in. He thought he's going to give a fight. And that he's going to set up his kingdom. So he wasn't understanding anything anymore. Just like the other disciples. That's why they ran away when Jesus handed himself over. They weren't understanding. But Jesus had prayed for Peter. That his faith would not fail. And so in the end his faith did not fail. Because Peter then repented. And, and when Jesus met him after his resurrection, there uh, after fishing in John 21, and that good breakfast that he had with Jesus, uh, Jesus gave him a chance to say to him, I love you, three times. And, but I think Peter was frustrated because he knew that he really loved Jesus, but he wasn't sure if Jesus really was convinced that he loved him. And he wasn't even really sure how... How good his love for, for Jesus was. I think Peter was much more sober after the experience of before. and says, I, I would like to take up my cross and follow you. I would like to die for you, but I don't know if I, I can do it. But Jesus said to him, Peter, it doesn't matter if your love is not perfect, but I know you're sincere. That you love me. <laughs> and that's enough. And, and you are going to take up your cross and you're going to die for me. He said there in John 21. He, he, he prophesied that Peter would actually literally die uh, for his faith in Jesus Christ, for, for shedding the gospel. So, but the point I was trying to make here is going back to verse 19 here in chapter uh, 17. He says, and for their sake I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So Peter needed that. He needed that Jesus take his cross first and die for, for Peter's sins so that then Peter would be able to take his cross too and go all the way with Jesus. Um, so the disciples, uh, according to John 17, 17, when Jesus prays for them, uh, prays to the Father for them, asking him to sanctify them in the truth, uh, uh, your word is truth. What, what he is praying for is that the disciples would deny themselves and take up the cross daily to bring the word to others. And I want to underline also that word daily because this, this commitment, uh, this sanctification is something that we have to do daily. <laughs> when Jesus died on the cross for his sins, he only needed to do that once uh, because it his, his, his sacrifice for our, our sins was perfect because he died for the sin of all of mankind. He was representing, when he's hanging there, like I said before, on the cross he was representing all of mankind, sinful mankind and their sin. So it was enough for him to die for us once and for all. But in our, in our sanctification of commitment to Jesus, um, the, uh, the Lord is asking us to do it continue. Why? Because we still sin. And so every time I sin, what is happening actually? I'm, I'm uh, uh, throwing that cross down and, and I'm taking myself back and I'm giving value to myself instead of denying myself and, and, and taking the cross and, and sacrificing my life for Jesus, being willing in my heart to go all the way to to the end, to give my life to him, even if that means to die, literally like it meant for Peter, as we know from, from history and, and from Jesus' prediction in Scripture that he would, he would die physically for his faith. And so um, we need to do that daily. Every time I, I fall into, this, into sin, then the, the, the solution is, is to not be discouraged. It's good to be sad, to be uh, 
torn, have grief for our sin, because as we grow in Christ, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, see sin as God sees sin more and more. So when it happens that we fall in sin, we're gonna, and we realize that we fall in sin, we have offended our Lord and Savior, then we're gonna be torn in our heart. But uh, we don't need to be discouraged because every time we sin, we can, we can go back to Jesus and, and confess our sin and, and uh, uh, ask his forgiveness. And he's always ready to forgive us. And we can start over with him. And um, so um, it's, it's, that's why we have to do it daily. And so the disciples were to deny themselves and take up the cross daily to bring the word to others. And so if you have believed in Jesus through the word of Jesus' disciples, then you also have to deny yourself and take up your cross daily to, the bring, to bring the word to others. And this is sanctification. And uh, I just want to, uh, let us go to talking about Peter. Let's go to his, his letter, his first letter, first letter of Peter. And see what he said. He talks so much about suffering in his letters. And I want us to, to read in chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, here from verse 1, and we could, actually we could read most of his letter in his second letter. He talks so much about suffering, Peter does. And, but let's read the first three verses here. First uh, Peter 4, 1 to 3. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. It says human passions. No longer to live for what we want to live for, but for what He wants us to live for. The time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. So here Peter is talking about the suffering that we, we have in our own flesh. That means our old nature, because we still have our old nature. God hasn't finished our salvation. He's going to finish our salvation when we go to be with Him in heaven. But we know He's going to finish that salvation because He prayed for it. And the Father's going to answer His prayer, just like He, he prayed for Peter. And so Peter finished the course, He, he died. He took up his cross for Jesus. And, but, th- but I want us to understand, brothers and sisters, that we, there is a struggle. There is suffering just because of sin that's still in our lives. But uh, we, we, we must have the mind of Jesus. As Peter says here, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That's talking about a believer who has the mind of Jesus. Uh, you have ceased from sin. The, the only way you can cease from sin, brothers and sisters, is by, is by suffering in the flesh. And what is that suffering? That suffering is when, when your old nature says, I want this. Uh, I want to do this. I want to be like this. But God's word says differently, and we have our new nature, Christ's nature in us, who says, no, we want to follow Jesus and not sin. And so there's, there's that conflict in us day by day. And there are times where, where God sees fit uh, to deliver us from a, from a sin. But there are times 
and, and I think most of the time where God does not actually deliver us, but he wants us to suffer. He wants us to learn to do as Jesus did before the cross. In that other prayer where the disciples weren't with him because they were sleeping instead of praying in the, in the garden of Gethsemane and um, he said to the father if possible let this cup pass so I don't have to drink it and that drinking the cup meant uh, his death on the cross it meant him suffering God's wrath because of our sin suffering the consequences of God's wrath because of our sin. And so Jesus said, uh, if possible, take it away from me. I don't want to go through this. And Jesus prayed that three times, but he was praying according to the Father's will. Why? Because in that prayer, every time he said that, if possible, I don't want to do it. But then in the end, every time he said, but not what I want, but what you want. And, and, and we're called to this day by day just because, uh, because uh, Jesus had that struggle because he had to take on himself our sin. That's the difference. He had no sin in him. So he did not have that struggle in him. But his struggle was taking our sin on himself and dying for our sin. But we still have sin in our lives. So we have that struggle daily, brothers and sisters. And I, and I believe Peter is saying here that we need to learn to suffer because if we just give in to the sin, that's no suffering. You see what I mean? Because when we give in to sin, we're just doing what we want to do. But suffering is when we do not give in to sin. And we learn to say, no, I'm going to do what God wants and not what I want. And that's the type of suffering that we have to cope with. That's part of taking up our cross. It's just a sin in our own lives. Therefore, suffering in the flesh. But let's go on from verse, uh, verse 4. And he talks about another suffering here, Peter. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. Um, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. And so here, verse the five and six are not so, verse six is not so easy to understand, but I think that the key here is to look at the tenses of the verb, for this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, who are now dead. In other words, I think this is what Peter is trying to say, or the Holy Spirit through him, that he's talking about people who, in hearing the gospel, being preached to them while they were alive and having accepted the gospel. Therefore, the word that Jesus had received from the Father, that had given to his disciples, and that they had passed on to the others, um, having received that word, they became saved. And because of being saved, they, they suffered persecution. And many of them were killed, as is happening today. And we're going to hear about that maybe some more tonight, about, about the suffering in the world, just because of persecution. It, it, it's something that maybe we, we have difficulty in identifying with. Uh, but brothers and sisters, I, I can't speak for the United States, but I live in, in Europe, and I see the West as being Europe, and North America as an extension of Europe. And I, if Jesus doesn't come quickly, I'm wondering if we're not going to be starting to experiment in the West what we hear on the news and pray for and kind of 
many times are indifferent to the, to the suffering of Christians who are being killed for their faith or being tortured for their faith. Like we saw just in the beginning, uh, that brother who was being, suffering so much that he was starting to forget the word and just wanted the Bible. I don't think it might be far that if we want to live according to Jesus' word, uh, taking up our cross might mean that we're going to go to jail or may, maybe even worse. And here, uh, Peter's talking about that sort of persecution coming from uh, when people start talking bad about you, maligning you, and, or about you, and then to the point of even killing you for your faith and everything in between. And that's also another suffering. That's a part of our, uh, taking our cross. And then, but he talks about another suffering that we have to look out for, brothers and sisters. We, let's go farther down to verse 8. Uh, Peter says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. What kind of suffering is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about the suffering inside the church. How can we understand that? Because he says, above all, love one another. And Peter has in mind Jesus' love. And who can love with Jesus' love? Only one who is saved, who has known Jesus and has accepted and therefore has Jesus' love in his heart by the Holy Spirit that, that Jesus sent later and that we have in our hearts. So we have God's love in our hearts. And Peter is saying we have to love one another. And that is suffering, brothers and sisters. Why is that? Here he says, uh, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Do you understand that it's impossible to love your brother and sister in Christ without suffering? It's impossible. Do you know why that is? Because it's impossible for God to love man without suffering. God cannot love mankind without suffering. Why? Because mankind is sinful. It's sin which, what is what causes suffering. And because lo God loved sinful man, the only way he could save him and show his love was by becoming a man and dying on a cross for his sins. That's taking up his cross. But we are called to do the same thing, brothers and sisters, because we talked about the sin in our own lives that makes us suffer. Well, the sin in our own lives doesn't only make us suffer because every time we sin, we're stepping on our brothers and sisters' toes. We're offending them. We're making them suffer, you see? And so uh, we need to love our brothers and sisters even when they sin against us. And if we love them with Jesus' love, it's not even going to touch us <laughs> because we're supposed to deny ourselves. Scripture says, Jesus said, and take up our cross. What does that mean to deny yourself? It means become zero. You're zero to yourself. You value yourself zero. Now, how can somebody hurt zero? When my brother and sister step on my toes, they offend me. Can that really hurt me? Yes, it'll hurt. But if I learn if, to deny myself and take up my cross, then I will love and forgive my brother and sister. And I will be with him as if he had never offended me. Even if he doesn't come and ask forgiveness and acknowledge what he's done to me. But I'm going to forgive him in Christ. I'm going to love him. I'm going to minister to him. And so the answer, brothers and sisters, inside the church is not when, there, when we have this, this friction, is not just to go to another church, but to learn to t deny ourselves and take up our cross with our brothers and sisters. And time has gone.
But brothers and sisters, just in closing, Jesus' last prayer request for his disciples. And, and, and I want to leave this with you just as to, to, to comfort you. Uh, going back to John 17, verse 24. Jesus' prayer for his disciples. Therefore, for you and me, if you have believed in Jesus because of the word of the disciples, then you're one of his. Father, just listen to this prayer request. And the Father listened to his prayer request and, and is acting upon it even today. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Isn't that just enough? There's many other things here I would have liked to say, but I don't have the time. There's many reasons why we can have the strength to deny ourselves and ourselves and take up our crosses and, and, and follow Jesus. But I think the, 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 the truth that gives us more strength than anything else to take up our cross, even though it means a lot of suffering, either from ourselves or from the world or from the church, our brothers and sisters, is our hope. We know that one day we're going to be with Jesus and see his glory in every sense of the word because he prayed to the Father because that's what he wanted. He wants us to be with him. He asked the Father that we would be with him. And the Father answered his prayer so we're going to be with him. And what is suffering in his life even though it's, I don't want to minimize suffering, but it's nothing compared to eternity with Jesus Christ. Amen.